For our scripture reading this morning, I invite you to turn with me to Numbers chapter 11. And just a word of explanation, introduction uh, to our turning here. This past Thursday was Ascension Day. We could be reminded of the blessing that the Lord Jesus Christ was lifted up before the eyes of his disciples and received into the clouds. I believe he was received into the glory cloud, the Shekinah cloud of God's glory and majesty, the same cloud that led God's people through the wilderness, reminding us Jesus is God with us. But he was taken to heaven on our behalf. And between Ascension Day and what happens 10 days later, we are waiting, you could say, for Pentecost. Now, we're not waiting any longer. That was a once-for-all blessing that God poured out his spirit upon his church. But I want to preach this morning a sermon from the Old Testament that anticipates Pentecost, that pushes us to look forward to Pentecost and to ask with Moses, oh, that all God's people had the Spirit. And that's the focus we will have. And we take up, I'm going to begin reading at 10 verse 33, just a few verses before um, the end of that chapter and as introduction to chapter 11 to give us the, the place to put it into context. And so we understand here from what we're going to see, they have just now taken up camp and moved from Mount Sinai. Up until this point in Numbers chapter 10, they had still been around Mount Sinai to receive the law of God from him and to receive instruction from him going forward. So, Numbers 10, verse 33. This is the word of God. So they departed from the mountain of the Lord on a journey of three days, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them for the three days' journey to search out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was above them by day when they went out from the camp. So it was, whenever the ark set out, that Moses said, Rise up, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. And when it rested, he said, Return, O Lord, to the many thousands of Israel. Now, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed, consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. And the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Taberah, because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up and there is nothing at all except this manna. Before our eyes. Now the manna was like coriander seed, and its color like the color of bdelium. The people went about and gathered it, ground it on millstones, or beat it in the mortar, cooked it in pans, and made cakes of it, and its taste was like the taste of pastry prepared with oil. 
And when the dew fell on the camp in the night, the manna fell on it. Then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, everyone at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses also was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them? That you should say to me, Carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give to all these people? For they weep all over me, saying, Give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to bear all these people alone, because the burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now, if I have found favor in your sight, and do not let me see my wretchedness. So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting, that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take of the spirit that is upon you, and will put the same upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you, that you may not bear it yourself alone. Then you shall say to the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, Who will give us meat to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. You shall eat not one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten days, nor twenty days, but for a whole month until it it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you, because you have despised the Lord who is among you. And have wept before him, saying, Why did we ever come up out of Egypt? Moses said, The people whom I am among are 600,000 men on foot. Yet you have said, I will give them meat that they may eat for a whole month. Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them to provide enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to provide enough for them? And the Lord said to Moses, Has the Lord's arm been shortened? Now you shall see whether what I say will happen to you or not. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered the seventy men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took of the spirit that was upon him and placed the same upon the seventy elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied although they never did so again. But two men had remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad, and the name of the other, Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those listed, but who had not gone out to the tabernacle, yet they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. So Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Then Moses said to him, Are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. And Moses returned to the camp, both he and the elders of Israel. Now a wind went out from the Lord, and it brought quail from the sea and left them fluttering near the camp, about a day's journey on this side and about a day's journey on the other side, all around the camp. 
and about two cubits above the surface of the ground. And the people stayed up all that day, all night, and all the next day, and gathered the quail. He who gathered least gathered ten omers, and they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. But while the meat was still between their teeth before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was aroused against the people, and the Lord struck the people with a very great plague. So he called the name of that place Kibroth Hataava, because there they buried the people who had yielded to craving. From Kibroth Hatava, the people moved to Hazaroth and camped at Hazaroth. So far, our reading from the Holy Word of God, I urge you, if you're able, to keep your Bibles open. And I'll direct us to our text for this morning, the focus. 11 verse 29. Then Moses said to him, Are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, as I mentioned, we find ourselves today between Ascension and Pentecost. We're glad to know that the Lord Jesus Christ has been seated at the throne on the right hand of his Father, that he rules over everything for the good of the church. And we're glad to know that from his throne on heaven, as he has promised, he has poured out his generous spirit. And so the church has received the spirit of God without measure. Yet we also know and understand we are called as God's children to be filled with the spirit. That we should not take the blessing of his ministry for granted. Ephesians 5 verse 18 urges us with that command, be filled with the spirit. We may be the people God calls us to be. Now I'm preaching this sermon on the Sunday before Pentecost because you see from what we've read together, this passage does indeed um, anticipate Pentecost. Oh, that all God's people had the Spirit. We recognize that we live in difficult days. Now, that's a given. We live in the between the times days. The Lord Jesus Christ has ascended to heaven and we look forward to the day when he will return in the very same way we saw him going up. He continues to bless his church and he will return one day on the clouds and continue to bless his church. We long for that day because we live amidst many challenges. We don't need to go into detail in terms of the specific challenges that we face and you could fill in the blanks in terms of your own struggle your own burdens, the things that you are anxious about or perhaps complain about and whine about. We take up here in the reading of Numbers chapter 11 at a time when God's people have gone to complaining again. And we take up with a Moses, the leader of God's people, who has had it up to here with the complaints of God's people. He wants to die. He's had enough. He can't bear it any longer. He can't take it. And he asks to be relieved 
of this great responsibility. Now I minister the gospel to you this morning, the hope and confidence we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I trust in a way that also challenges us like Moses needed to be challenged and encourages us like Moses needed to be encouraged. That we, as all God's people would know, going forward into the days the Lord has before us, we have the Spirit of God. We have been graciously blessed by God's mercy to us in the Lord Jesus Christ to be the people he calls us to be. And we think of our pastor as well as he and his family will in due time make their way all the way to Houston, British Columbia and sending them as well in the confidence that the Spirit of God will go with them and uphold them and bless them and encourage them and equip them. That all of God's people had the Spirit was Moses' longing. And he was encouraged in terms of what the Lord showed him there, that the Lord does provide. And we can be the more encouraged because we live this side of the coming of Jesus, this side of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, his death and his resurrection, his ascension, and his pouring out of his Spirit. Let's consider that word together this morning, that all of God's people had the Spirit, and we want to work our way through what we see here in Numbers 11, through these three things. The grievous problem, that is the effects of sin. Sin is the issue. Sin is the problem. Despising of the Lord is their particular sin. Then in the second place, the gracious provision. God answers in grace. God shows that he is a just and a righteous God. And his anger is a real thing. But he also, in grace, provided for the good of his people in the course of what we've read here. And in the third place, the glorious purpose of this all. We have received the Spirit of God without measure. Therefore, we are equipped for service. So in the first place, the grievous problem, we speak of the effects of sin. And we could sort of cut to the quick here and say the issue here was sin. Moses would not have had any issues, nor would any of the other leaders alongside of him have any challenges if it were not for the presence and the reality of sin. We know as well that we live in the midst of the days, as Romans 8 describes them for us, where the creation groans under the influence of, because of the impact of, sin. God has subjected the creation to futility. And so we see the effects of sin all around us. And we see change and decay all around us. We see people getting sick. We see cultures in decline. And we find ourselves living in the midst of such days. And there's a sense in which we might say to ourselves, the burden of all of this is too great for us to bear. We need to acknowledge, in a general sense, the reality that we're speaking of here is the reality of sin. But I want us to appreciate um, just how, how intense and how in your face How up front and right there, the problem with sin is. 
That's why I had us read from 10 verse 33 and had us appreciate that this complaining that we read about in Numbers chapter 11 happens three days, only three days after they had left Mount Sinai. Now at Mount Sinai, God had thundered with his glorious voice and had inscribed the law of God on tablets of stone And then in the later 20 chapters of the book of Exodus, he gave there to Moses as he was up on that mountain the instructions for the eventual building of the tabernacle, which they would construct together and and camp around. And then the book of Leviticus would go into detail about instructions for the priesthood and with regard to all of the feasts that Israel would be called to remember. And and it wasn't until all of this had taken place that it would be time for the cloud to arise and rise up, O God, and lead them forward. And they're three days into this journey, they're encamped again, and they're already at it. They're already complaining. They're already expressing um, despicable things, despite for the Lord. They're sick of it. And they go on and on with regard to what they are so sick of. Now, already from the beginning, we read in the first verse, as the people complained, it displeased the Lord and the fire of the Lord burned among them. But as we read further into the chapter, we see that even that didn't quell their complaints. Complaints are right on their lips. And you would say, this is just three days after all of the glory that has been displayed in God's coming down to them and giving his law at the mountain. They are so forgetful. And we probably know what that's like, don't we? You may, you may have it today. Let this not be prophecy, of course. I'm not a prophet, nor a prophet's son. But we may have been together in the house of the Lord, singing his praises, rejoicing in the blessing that is ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you go home, and you have a row with each other. Maybe the kids, maybe mom and dad, on the way home in the car. Had we not just been in the Lord's presence? Three days later, they had forgotten about the law. And that is so easy for all of us to do. And so we recognize that the encouragement that the Lord needs to give to Moses here is encouragement all of us need to hear. We pick up at verse 4. We read of the mixed multitude who were among them. They yielded to intense craving. The mixed multitude. Other translations might have the word here, the rabble. They were the rabble rousers. They were the riff-raff. Now, I think literally what is being referred to when when the mixed multitude are being spoken of here is the fact that along with the people of Israel who had escaped Egypt, there were Egyptians who had come along with them for the ride, you could say, or they had hitched their wagons to the Israelites' train. I'm not suggesting that none of them were truly converted. I'm not suggesting that none of them uh, would find great joy in embracing the promises of God and being uh, connected with God's people. But when the Bible here speaks of the mixed multitude, 
Perhaps uh, it would be speaking here of what we would call in religious sense, not an ethnic sense, but a religious sense, a mixed, uh, mixed marriages. In that those who belonged to the Lord and confessed the Lord were perhaps married to those who were Egyptians. That's part of what was going on with the mixed multitude. And the issue in terms of what happened here was that they yielded to intense craving, as our translation says. The old King James would say they fell a-lusting. They lusted lustily. Now, in this specific instance, that doesn't necessarily mean sexual lust. It just means giving into cravings for this, that, and the other thing, and certainly the other thing, and not for God. And their minds were set on Egypt and not upon God. We remember, we, we see in verse 5, the, the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. You just think of all of the, of the glorious array of food, the sweet, the sour, the sumptuous, the spicy, the tasty, the, 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 the rich. We long for those days, and now our being is dried up. There's nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. They are sick and tired of manna, they say. That had been given to them at Exodus chapter 16, even before God thundered from the mountain in Exodus chapter 20. And uh, they're sick of it, is what they're telling us. Now, the passage goes on to, to uh, explain it wasn't all that bad. They, they learned how to cook it and, and make cakes of it, and its taste was like pastry prepared with oil. Probably pretty decent. In uh, chapter 78, or Psalm 78, we read of the fact that it was like angels' food for them. It was from the hand of God. And yet, here they are, grumpily complaining. And so you see that sin has its grievous effects on the well-being of God's people, and they forget completely who they are. They forget completely about the blessing that the Lord has shown to them. And in the midst of all of this, Moses becomes overwhelmingly frustrated, and he wants to be done with it all. He, he asks the Lord to kill him. I can't take it any longer. I can't bear these people on my shoulders. I can't do it. I didn't give them birth. I don't have the ability. Or am I going to get meat to feed all these people as they cry out and as they weep? And you just see, even though perhaps the, uh, the instigation arose from out of the mixed multitude, as we saw at verse 4, immediately we read there in the, the rest of verse 4, oh, the children of Israel, they wept again. They're always complaining. It's never good enough. They're never satisfied. And what a, what a sad picture we see here of the reality of the ugliness that sin brings. It's never, ever enough. Now Moses cries out to God. And he has no idea what in the world the Lord could possibly do um, to help in terms of this. And the burden is on Moses' shoulders, and he wants the Lord to help him. And, and Moses, as the Lord explains to him what he is going to do, um, is incredulous. He doesn't believe it. How in 
the world could this possibly happen? Verse 22, shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them to provide enough for them? The Lord says to Moses, has the Lord's arm been shortened? Do you remember, as we read from Deuteronomy 5, verse 15, it was with a a mighty hand and an outstretched arm that the Lord has brought them from out of Egypt? Don't you remember how he he parted the Red Sea and brought you through the Red Sea on dry feet and all of Pharaoh's host was drowned? You remember that? You remember the glory that God displayed in, in speaking to them at the mountain? Do you remember any of that? In sin, you see, they had forgotten all of it. In sin, you see, they had become deeply, deeply discontented. We want the fish, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. And, and in terms of sin, in terms of not being satisfied with God himself and the goodness and grace he has shown to us in the Lord Jesus Christ, can we not identify with that reality We want doctrinal leeks and onions and garlic. Or perhaps we want um, material leeks and onions and garlic. Just make me happy, Lord. Just give me lots of money and just help me to be successful. Perhaps we want cultural leeks and onions and garlic. We want to be recognized as those who can get along and go along and and, uh, give in to everything that is pushed down our throats in the midst of this culture that surrounds us. Maybe it's sexual, leeks and onions and garlic, something a little more tangy, a little more zippy, a little more spicy. You recognize, however, that what we see here in terms of the Lord's provision and certainly how this chapter ends, they get what they ask for. But as Psalm 106 verse 15 says, When they asked that the Lord would send them meat in abundance, the Lord gave it to them, but he gave leanness to their souls. More, 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 more of everything else but of God himself. And the end is emptiness. I wonder if I speak to anyone here this morning who is easily, and each of us can be, sometimes are easily tempted and led astray to have our eyes set back there in Egypt or the way things used to be and the way things would go for me if I were not a Christian. We find ourselves tempted to be satisfied with everything other than God. And I assure you, the way is a way of emptiness and dissatisfaction and we're, we're being shown that here. Effectively, what the people are saying here is not only are they dissatisfied with their living arrangements. We've got to live in tents for Pete's sake. Not only are they satisfied with the food. We've got to eat this manna. They're satisfied, or they're dissatisfied, sorry, with, with Moses' leadership. They're dissatisfied ultimately with God himself. And effectively what they're saying is we would rather have Egypt with, uh, without God than this manna with God. And so they've got it all wrong. But it shows us where sin 
brings us. The grievous problem and the effects of sin. And I trust you can identify in terms of your own struggle, your own frailty, your own hearts. But let's go on and see what the Lord says and what the Lord does. We call this the gracious provision. Second point, being equipped by the Spirit. The Lord has a twofold response to Moses' um, Moses' own complaints. Now, Moses has to be set straight as well. Moses has exaggerated the difficulties. Why don't you just kill me? Moses is being faithless himself in his requests. But the Lord graciously answers, and he's going to answer, you could say, in mercy and in judgment. And he's going to answer in terms of sending his spirit for the equipping of the 70 elders and by sending food, so much food that it, as it were, will be coming out of their nostrils. He sent leanness to their souls. And so we see both of these things come to pass. But we see, in answer to Moses' doubt, the Lord's arm is not too short to save. He has got this. He is God, and he is good. So, the quail flutter in and perhaps can't get off the ground for whatever reason and uh, a day's journey this way, a day's journey that way, there's just quail everywhere. And so they gather and they gather and they gather and as it's on their teeth the Lord strikes them with a plague. Again, what we see here is a picture of the reality of having what you want without God. Having what you want as you despise God or neglect God. It is not ultimately blessing, no matter how much you have. But we also see that in addition to the food that the Lord provides them for, which is a judgment, whereby they need to learn it's not about the food that we have, it's about the fullness we have in God. So in addition to the food, as we've seen, he sends down his spirit. He sends his spirit upon them. At 11 verse 17, he says, I will come down and talk with you there. And I think we have an intimation here already that the blessing we enjoy by the spirit of God is always in connection with the speaking of God, the word of God, always the word together with the spirit. I just make a, a quick um, connection between two verses in the New Testament from the Apostle Paul. Ephesians 5 verse 18 and Colossians 3 verse 16. They're effectively parallels. If you look at uh, Colossians 3 and, and Ephesians 5, you'll see that they're parallels. In both of these verses, you have the encouragement that we encourage and admonish one another as we speak to one another from the heart, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. But in Ephesians 5, verse 18, those words are preceded with the fact that you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
But the parallel to you must be filled with the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5 verse 18 is Colossians 3 verse 16 where it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word of Christ dwells in us richly by the gracious ministry of the Spirit. And the Spirit ministers to us graciously through the word of Christ. You do not separate those two and go off on your own. If you pick up the word of God without a humble dependence upon the Spirit of God for him to open your eyes to behold wonderful things, you will dry up. And you will find the word uninteresting and boring. And you will want to go back to the flesh pots of Egypt. You'll find all of the temptations of the world much more fun and exciting. Zippy. But you'll be empty. So, the word without the spirit, we dry up. But the other danger would be the spirit without the word. You see that sometimes where people actually say, I'm so filled with the spirit, I don't even need the Bible anymore. People see that in their practical lives. They say, I'm filled with the Spirit, and therefore, I don't need to really study the Word. So the Spirit without the Word, and you will blow up, and you'll not be that effective or that helpful, but you have the Spirit with the Word, or the Word with the Spirit, and you will grow up into Christ, who is your head. God graciously provides His Spirit, who comes down, in glorious abundance. The elders there are given a portion of what Moses has. It's not like Moses gets less so that they have to apportion it out. And we're given a picture here of the blessing we have come to know as New Testament Christians. The Lord Jesus has poured out his spirit without measure, the Bible says. And so we have not received the spirit of God in thimbles full. We have him in his fullness we have what we need. We would not confess the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord were it not for the ministry of the Spirit. It's the Spirit who has taken of the things of Christ and declared them to us so that we glorify Jesus as the way to the Father. Thanks be to God. We have the Spirit of God. I think there, as this, this event here in the wilderness anticipates Pentecost, blessing you'll celebrate next Lord's Day, the Lord willing. We also see that there is perhaps another parallel in terms of, of what we see here. Um, in verse 25, the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took of the spirit that was upon Moses and placed it upon the same upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. Now, I believe that the Hebrew should be read here saying that what happened to them was of abiding and ongoing significance. They didn't prophesy again because that was a once-for-all experience to show the world and to show the camp at the very least. God has come down. God has poured out his spirit like he said he would. I believe at Pentecost we have the same sort of dynamic. They all spoke with other tongues so that those who came from the other nations heard them speaking in their own language. Whether it was a miracle of speaking or a miracle of hearing or both, I'm not to say at this point. 
But we, aren't not to, we are not to look for the continued manifestation of those particular gifts. The blessing that the Spirit has come down was, was highlighted by those particular gifts, but He's still here. We still have Him. And so these particular men were equipped to help Moses bear the burden. They were equipped by the ministry of the Spirit with wisdom to deal with practical challenges. Like we believe our office bearers have been filled with the Spirit. It is said of the deacons in Acts 6 verse 3. You were to choose men who are filled with the Spirit. Who know where to go. They go to the Bible. Who know how to seek wisdom. They do so by humbly crying out to the Spirit of God for the wisdom that we need. And they would enable Moses not to have to bear this burden alone. This is all in God's gracious provision. But let me just say a few more words that remind us that the spirit we are talking about is the generous spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, who never is pleased to call attention to himself, but always desires to glorify Christ, who takes us to the Father. We need to remember that. Because for the Lord Jesus, finally to be able to pour out his Holy Spirit would require that he would first come and live the life that we never lived and die on the cross to pay the price that we could never pay and to be raised again according to the scriptures and to ascend into heaven. It's good for you that I will go away, the Lord Jesus Christ, that I may pour out the promised Spirit of the Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ has done so. And you understand that in terms of the, the burden Moses understood he could not bear, the Lord Jesus Christ has become our burden bearer. The Lord Jesus Christ has borne the burden of our sins on the tree of the cross at Calvary. And then we can be encouraged and reminded again. We heard it in Exodus 19, verse 5. Did you not see that I bore you on eagles' wings? Do you not understand as we read in um, Exodus, no, Isaiah rather, Isaiah 40, verse uh, 11 and 12, that the Lord gently bears those that are with young. He carries us in his bosom. We know the blessing that our sins have been born on the tree of the cross at Calvary and the blessing that we are born on eagles' wings in the mercy of God in Jesus Christ. And it's the gracious work of the Spirit that enables us to know he will not leave us or forsake us. He is the comforter, the Spirit is, who is always with us. So we are equipped by the Spirit. I want to speak in the third place this morning of the glorious purpose that is ours because we have the Spirit without measure. And we learn something, we ought to learn something from Eldad and Medad. Jewish tradition tells us that though they were of the number of the 70, they were truly of the elders of Israel... For whatever reason, they didn't go to the tabernacle. And Jewish tradition tells us that they were, they were insecure. They didn't dare. They didn't think that they should. They were, you could say, humble. 
And yet God blessed them anyway. God poured out his spirit upon them. And they were prophesying among the camp. And people had never seen anything like that before. It gets reported that Joshua, Moses' choice man, and Joshua goes, perhaps in something of a haughty spirit, and says, Moses, you should tell them to stop. And Moses, by the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ, asks, Numbers 11, verse 29, Are you zealous for my sake? Moses is understanding this here in terms of he has seen the mighty outstretched arm of the Lord revealed. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's a blessing that these men too are speaking of the mighty acts of God, prophesying the word of God. And we, who enjoy the blessing that God has laid his arm bare by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, he has redeemed us by the work of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, can also rejoice in the blessing that by his Spirit we are equipped to be his prophets. And we're not coming up with new revelation, but we're confessing Jesus Christ as Lord. And we might have thought to ourselves, being anxious and self-conscious, I'm kind of shy and I don't have it within me. I'm kind of like an L-dad and a me-dad. But by the Spirit of God, it's different. And by the Spirit of God, we have the eager desire to speak of the hope that we have. And by the generous spirit of God, it becomes for us like it was for the early apostles. And they were told to shut up. They were told to speak no longer in this name. And they said, we cannot but speak of the things that we have seen and heard. Acts 4 verse 20. Why was that? Why, why were they so bold when they had been so, so afraid before? By the gracious ministry of the Spirit of God. We also are encouraged in Galatians. Galatians 6, in terms of our spiritual privilege and responsibility, Galatians 6, verse 1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, you have the Spirit. Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. Moses had said, I can't bear this any longer. I can't do this myself. And you can't either. But by God's grace to us in Christ, he has borne the burden of our sin and he bears us up by the ministry of his spirit. He enables us to be the people he calls us to be in ways we never thought possible. Open your mouth and speak for the Lord by the ministry of the spirit of God. And God gives his grace and his Holy Spirit, as our catechism says, to those who pray continually and who groan inwardly, asking God for these gifts and thanking him for them. And so we're taught a spirit of humble dependence. For all of Moses, 
exaggeration and his foolish complaints, there's one thing he certainly teaches us. He, he brings it to the Lord in prayer and he cries out to God for help. And God is gracious to supply the needs. And so we are equipped for service. And let me just close with the blessing that we know because the Lord Jesus Christ has ascended on high and because he pours out his spirit. It's in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 verse 11. He gave, he himself, that's Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for ministry, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's why we have been given the Spirit. And we as God's saints, holy ones in Christ, may be equipped for ministry. We all have ministry. Not just Moses, not just the pastor, not just the elders. For the edifying of the body of Christ, verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're not there yet. We've got room to grow. Praise be to God, by the Spirit we press on. Verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. By word and spirit we grow up. From whom the whole body, verse 16, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Thanks be to God for the work of his generous spirit. Oh, that all God's people had the spirit and by God's grace in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you know Jesus and confess him as your Lord, you do so because you have the spirit. And let us be humbly dependent and cry out, Lord, help me. Give me more understanding. Give me more power. Give me more strength, more humility, more desire to serve you as I should.